I think we're live in downtown Goldman. One thing about a rainy day, you kind of miss the rush hour traffic getting to church. <clears throat> Tough crowd. Um, I want to tell you about Susie. She's two or three years old, old enough to talk and walk and do all that stuff. That very cute age. She woke up one morning, they were getting ready for church, and she had a really bad stomach ache. And uh, she told her mother about it. And mother says, well, Susie, that's because it's empty. If you put something in there, it'll be all right. So she had something to eat, and sure enough, she felt much better, and they went to church, had good church and all that. In the afternoon, the pastor came by for a visit. And he's having coffee, and they're talking, and in the process of the conversation, he says that he had a really bad headache. And Susie pipes up and says, oh, that's because it's empty. If you put something in there, it'll be a lot better. <laughs> I think her mother probably turned red or green or something. So, praise the Lord. Well, my assignment today is to talk to you about taking our place. Um... You know, God has given us so many things and done so many things for us. Um, it just seems to me that the church should be walking on water. And in a lot of cases, the church worldwide I'm talking about when I say the church, uh, in many cases they're still on the bottom of a lake, you know, gasping for another breath to keep going. And so we're going to look at that and um, join me in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you and praise you for who you are, for loving us, for allowing us to love you back, as Daryl said, for making that possible. And we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit that, that inspired the Word of God. And so we just invite you once again, as it's already been done several times, Spirit of God, to come and minister life to us from the word that you inspired. Lord, we want to be more like Jesus when we leave than we were when we came in. Just because of the power of your word, it's quick and powerful. It'll change us if we take it to heart and believe it and act upon it. And so we thank you and praise you, Lord God. And we just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would have your way in us through your word and anything else you might want to do. Lord, uh, we just give you this service. This is your church, your people. Um, and we give you all glory and praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to begin in Romans 8, uh, 15 to 17. <clears throat> and it says this. These are all New King James I didn't put any Amplified in there this week because the other week when I had that in there, it was kind of loud for some of you. So I just left the Amplified out. So verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So a lot of times they'll leave the suffering part out. Um, this life is not always roses, amen? He never said it would be easy, but he said he would never leave us or forsake us. So it tells us here that we are joint heirs. It means that we are co-heirs. Uh, it means that we are participants in common with Christ. Wow. An heir is somebody, is somebody who shares by lot together with the implication of possession, a possessor. Like when my parents died, we have stuff in our home that 
uh, was my mom's and stuff that was my dad's, stuff that we inherited. Now I got a lawnmower that was my dad's. It's 37 years old, still cutting grass. So this, this uh, word refers to an equality based on the equality of possession, not equality based on um, like being equal with a person, but equality based on possessions. In other words, if Steve and I had the same size house and it was worth the same amount of money, and I had a van like his and it was worth the same amount of money, and all that would be equal in possession. Amen? You understand? And that's what it's talking about here. Not about being equal with a person. You're going to be equal with Jesus because he was perfect. Amen? But... Uh, we're equal in the things that we possess. It's referring to um, an equality of possession. We need to understand that Jesus went to the cross to give you what he already possessed. Okay? It wasn't just so you would have eternal life. It was everything in between from when you're born again until you go to heaven. And then and, and, and it continues. He rose again so we could be recreated in his image. He's the firstborn from the dead. Amen? Amen? Amen. And you've got to help me out. I'm from Missouri. So. <clears throat> so he rose again from the dead so we could be recreated in his image. So we could have eternal life. And that's pretty much where everybody stops. That we could have eternal life but also plus possessing all that is his. Now, I know that's hard to wrap your head around, and maybe you heard nobody say that before, but that's what that word means, possessing all. The only thing we don't possess in the here and now is his glorified body in your mansion in heaven. You already have eternal life. Your spirit's never going to die. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. We're going to look at 20 a little bit later. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Tom talked about righteousness last week. Did a great job. And uh, you know, he might be a good preacher someday if he keeps on. He's, he's really, really good. Um, so it says, We have been made the righteousness of God in him. Look at that again. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So you're not just a little bit righteous, or you're not just half righteous. The Bible says, you are the righteousness of God in him. That's what it calls you. Okay? It's not in you, it's in him. It's not anything we did, uh, who we are, it's all about what he did. Amen? Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. So if you're born again today, you're not just half righteous, you are the righteousness of God. Corporately, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I didn't write this. That's what the Holy Spirit says. In Romans 8, 35 to 37. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 35. It says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, <coughs> excuse me, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. So first he tells us, you know, none of this stuff can separate you. All this tribulation and all the persecution and all the things that you go through. Some of the strongest Christians live in the most persecuted part of the world. I mean, they have to be to live in these places. It's, it's just amazing. 
Yet in all these things, it says we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. What does that mean? Well, that's a, a Greek word. Uh, let's see if I can butcher it up here. Hooper nikao. That's pretty good. And it means to describe one who's super victorious. In other words, it's not talking about a normal victory. Like, let's just say this was a racetrack, a horse racetrack, and the starting line is right here. And the horses are going around, they're all racing, and they're going wide open, and it's not a photo finish where one horse just noses the other one out. It's not talking about that kind of a victory. It's talking about a victory that's over and abundantly. It's talking about a victory when you're crossing the finish line, the rest of the pack is still on the backstretch. Are you getting this? It's not just a nosing it through there. You are more than conquerors. It's not even fair. It's like that horse was on steroids or something. He's winning. It'd be like me and Steve Miller going for a run. He would be running for two hours and I'd be running for two minutes. You know? So it's that kind of a thing. It's, it's no contest. So Jesus went to the cross to give us what he already possessed and make us the righteousness of God in him. Then he called us more than conquerors. It's called the great exchange. He took my sin, gave me his righteousness. Hallelujah. So that raises a question. Why, does, why then does the church, when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about believers everywhere around the world. Why does, then does the church in general struggle in some areas today? If God has done all this for us, why is the church still struggling? And that was my question to God. I believe he gave me four things, and I'm sure there's more. But, you know, he can only give us as much as the seed can stand. So we're going to look at these four things that I believe that he gave me. If you're a note taker, you might want to jot these down. So number one, I'm asking him why is the church still struggle in some of these areas if God has done all this for us. He says the church in general has not realized the fact that being a joint heir, they possess everything Jesus possesses now. Everybody's waiting till they get to heaven. But you possess that now, um, everything except that glorified body in your mansion. You already have eternal life and a lot of other things that we'll get to later. So that's number one. There just hasn't been a realization that um, you have a possession of a lot of things at your disposal. Number two, so some of the church has accepted the fact that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is to witness. Nobody argues with that. But they do not accept the fact that it's also to continue the ministry of Jesus in the earth. That was the second thing. The third one problem was that much of the church has used its authority in a very limited manner. You know, God has given us authority over the power of the enemy and over lots of things and to use the name of Jesus. And uh, it's just been used in a limited fashion, as it was his words. And number four, the church in general has not fully realized how much I love them. You know, Daryl was talking about love earlier. We just haven't wrapped our head around how much God loves us. And uh, I don't know if we ever will get all of that this side of heaven. So that raises another question. What can be done to correct these problems so that the church can take its place and walk in the fullness of its inheritance? What can we do about it? 
just whine and cry and say, oh, I wish it was different. So we can make a more concerted effort to get a fresh, fresh revelation of God's love. I'm telling you, love is the key. You can have this sanctuary full of faith can be yours. But if you don't have love, uh, it won't function properly. You won't be able to do much with it. Love is the key, God's love. And it's been spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm without excuse if I don't walk in love. It's in there. So let's like, take a look at John 17. John 17. <clears throat> Verses 20 to 23. This is really amazing. John 17. He prayed for his disciples, the twelve, and now he's praying for modern-day disciples, you and I. A disciple is somebody who studies the teachings of Jesus and follows them. So he gets done praying for his disciples, the twelve, and then he prays for us. Jesus said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. That's us. That they all may be one as your Father are in me and I in you. And they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which I have, <coughs> which you have gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfect in one. That means complete. And that the world may know that you have sent me. Listen. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as, loved them as you have loved me. Wow. The Father has loved us as he loved Jesus, according to that. That's really hard to put in my think tank. Hallelujah. The word there is agapo. It's the word, uh, verb form of agape. And it means, uh, of course, a demonstration of love. And, you know, God is love, and he didn't just talk about it. And just didn't walk around and saying, I am love. He demonstrated it by sending his only begotten son for the great exchange to take our sin and to make us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if you were to make a list of all the ways that God has demonstrated his love to you, it would be a very, 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 very long list. Amen? And you'd have to add to it daily several times. And it would just keep getting bigger and bigger your whole life. <clears throat> but we are to demonstrate God's love to others just as he demonstrated to us, likewise. By help, helping them in some way. You know, when we moved, we had um, 18 people, 18, 20 people show up, at least 18, to help us move the second time. <laughs> You know, that was a big blessing to us. That's, you know, thank you doesn't seem to be enough to say. So you can give help to people in need, whatever it might be. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's something they can use that you can give them. Another one is you can use your gifts to bless them. Everybody in here has got giftings, probably more than one. And... And we need to be using them to bless one another. They're not to make you look good on Sunday morning. They're to bless the brethren with, or other people. You can pray for people um, to meet their needs, as Tricia prayed for uh, Milton earlier. And so to get a revelation, a deeper revelation of God's love, um, to do that, we, we need to meditate on scriptures like this in John 17, 23, where he said he loved us as he loved Jesus. The only way to get it in your heart where you can really believe it uh, from your head is to meditate on it. You know, I read scripture a lot, 
I've read the Bible 33 times from cover to cover. But that doesn't hold a candle to meditating on the Word of God. The body of Christ does precious little meditating, at least the people I know. And I don't do near enough of it. It just changes everything. As it causes you to get down in your heart where faith is birthed, where you can believe something. And uh, so meditating on the Word of God will give us a deeper revelation of that, of His love. These things, you know, they take some work on our part. And this day and age where we got to drive up everything, we want everything handed to us. Um, you know, in the kingdom, there's no shortcuts. You've got to do some things on your own. That said that we were joint heirs in everything Jesus possesses. So I want to look quickly at some scriptures that just verify a few of the things. Matthew 19, uh, verse 29, says this. Jesus said, Everyone who has left house and brothers and sisters and father and mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And so I was thinking about that. When we left Wisconsin, we had paid for everything. We were both working. Life was good. We were in a pretty good church, and uh, all the kids were saved by then. And then God called me to come down here. And we had to sell everything. And we had a lot of, you know, my dad grew up in that area, had a lot of relatives there and all that kind of a thing. And uh, a lot of guys went back there, the Preserics. Went back there, Matt Harns from the same area, um, Pat Foley. They all went back to the same area. And uh, he didn't allow me to go back there. And I know why now, but it um, doesn't worth going into. But I was just counting how many places we've had since then. We've had, we just bought a house. We had, this is the seventh one since we got rid of our other one. That's more than a hundredfold, isn't it? This is a God that does above and beyond all that you could ask or think. Now, a couple of them we didn't live in. There were trailers that we rented out in the trailer court. I used to manage Oak Ridge Trailer Court. And we rented out a couple of trailers over there. Um, but that would be the fifth one that we lived in. So that's... <clears throat> these are just a few things to give you a taste of some of the things that we possess. Um, then Acts 1, 8, everybody knows what that says. Acts 1, 8, getting ready to send them out. Jesus said, but you shall receive power, dudamus, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. That's why we receive the power to be a witness. In Jerusalem, that's right here, downtown, Hillsboro. And in Judea, that's nationally. It's in the United States. The United States is called the melting pot of the world. And Samaria, that's cross-culturally. And to the ends of the earth. Now, I haven't been to the end of the earth, but I've been places where you can see it. Okay? But he gave us that power, not to just carry it around, but it's to be a witness. And, and give things that complement your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your personality that you can use in your witnessing as well. These kinds of things. And then in Hebrews chapter 6, 11 and 12, it says this, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope, until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The promises of God. Some say there's 7,000. Some say there's 8,000. I don't know how many there is. But I know everything you need to know to fix your situation is in there. Amen? This is our, our manual for life. And so...
he's given us. Notice that um, it's not automatic, the promises. They're there, but for you to partake of them, it takes faith and patience to inherit them. You know, it took nine months for us to find a house. And that was a test of our faith and the test of our patience, both, at least for me. So by faith and patience you inherit. If we, um, the more we die to self and just believe the promises of God and quit trying to fix stuff on our own and just believe the promises of God, just believe. That's all he asks us to do. He's done all these things for us. We'll see even some more stuff. And all we've got to do is believe it and then act on it. It says in Second uh, Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Hallelujah. So number one, we need a deeper revelation of the love of God. And to get that, we need to meditate on scriptures that are in accordance to that. We need to realize that we are joint heirs. We need to realize all that we possess right now. Um, all that God has given us. And there's one more scripture I'd like to read in, along these lines, and that's in Second uh, Peter 1, 2-4. Says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By what you have been given to us, exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he's given us, here it says he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything to live life the way God wants me to live life has been given to me. I am without excuse. He's given me everything pertaining to life and godliness. Then we said that he not only gave us um, the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness, but also to continue the work that Jesus did in the earth to continue it. So if you're to ask the Christian, uh, what about doing the works of Jesus? They would all say, no way, that was Jesus, I can't do that. And they would be right, in their own strength, they can't do it. Absolutely not. But he didn't ask us to do it in our own strength. In fact, in John 14, Jesus said this, most assuredly, I say to you, anytime he says most assuredly, it means I want you to get this. Listen to me. Most assuredly, I say to you, talking to believers, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask any, <coughs> anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus said you would do the works, uh, greater works than he did. How can you do greater works than raising somebody from the dead or these kinds of things that he did? Not greater in uh, significance, but greater in scope and in number. Because now there's a whole bunch of us walking all over the earth that should be doing these things. Okay? Really got quiet in here. They should be doing these kinds of things. And that's sad to say that's not happening. Jesus said you would do the works in greater, greater number. See, because Jesus allowed himself to be crucified after only a few years of ministry, so what he could do was limited to those few years. He has to do it through believers. Now after the resurrection, after Pentecost, the work of Jesus Christ is carried on through the earth through empowered, spirit-filled believers. 
That's how he's doing it. He's continuing to do it. We all know this, but it's good to be reminded of that. Amen? He's still doing the same thing. His ministry continues. See, Christian means little Christ. So there's little Christ walking around all over the planet, in China and all kinds of places, South America, India, and sometimes it don't look like it, but they're there. I was at an orphanage in India one time with some guys from a denomination I won't mention. These were little kids, and they were all praying in tongues. And they were sitting right next to me. They were pastors from Canada. And one of them said to the other one, what are they doing? The other one says, I have no idea. And these little kids were praying to the Lord in tongues through their spirits. And these guys are leaders in the church and didn't know what was going on. Uh, sad. <clears throat> so if you're here today and you're looking for purpose for your life, this is it. This is why we're here. To share the good news by the power of the Spirit of God. To make disciples. To heal the sick, to bind up the broken heart, to set the captives free. In other words, to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? That was a pretty weak amen. 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 All right. Thank you. You know, we were here to destroy the works. We haven't been saved so we can slide in the home plate, you know, and the catcher just misses us and we're safe. So we just slide into heaven. We are here for a purpose. We're supposed to duplicate ourselves and someone else. Make disciples. The disciples made disciples, those 12 guys. And then those disciples made disciples. And then those disciples made disciples. And then those disciples made disciples. And here we are. Followers and learners of Jesus today. Amen? So it, we reproduce ourselves. That's the way it works. God made a, a tremendous investment in us. That brings me to my next point in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. He's sending out the 12. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power. He just grace gave you power. It was grace that gave you power. Just gives us, gave it to us. And authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. When you preach the kingdom, it's usually followed by signs and wonders. There's been a lot of preaching. Um, about the Lamb of God, and rightly so. He took my sin and yours and the sins of the world on his own. But in these last days, I think it's time to preach the gospel of the kingdom with power. Amen. He's coming soon. And I'm going to have to stand before him, and he's going to ask me, what did I do with it? What did I do with that power? What did you do with my dunamis, Warren? And I got an answer. So he gave us authority. First, grace gave us power over all the power of the enemy and over sickness and diseases. Now he gives us authority to use that power, to use the name of Jesus. I'll tell you, there's power in the name of Jesus. We say it so often that we think it nonchalantly. All heaven backs up that name. All heaven backs up that name. That's like you get stopped for speeding. You're going 70 and a 55. You know, the court is going to back up that officer. He's got, you know, <laughs> you're not going to get off. And it's the same thing. All heaven backs up that name of Jesus. He gave us authority to use that power over demonic forces that are in the earth today and over human hurt, sickness, and disease. 
I mean, we have authority, and instead of using our authority, most of the time we're asking God to do something. He's already done. Like, heal me. And nothing wrong with that, but it's, that's not going to be very effective because he's already done that. Jesus spoke to the infirmities. Amen? Are you still out there? He just spoke to stuff. And we are little Christ with possessing the same things that he did. We're not him, of course not. We're sinners. But we're possessing, we're joint heirs by what he did because of his sacrifice. And we're supposed to be doing these kinds of things. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So it says that we are ambassadors to Christ. What does that mean? That means we're representatives of the kingdom, representatives of him. You know, we're going to vote for representatives on Tuesday, some of them. A very important election. Be sure you vote. But in uh, the United States of America has um, an ambassador in the UN to fulfill the wishes of the United States of America on, a glo on global issues. Okay? As an ambassador there. I think she resigned. But they must have put another one in there. But the one that was in there did resign. She was doing a good job too. And likewise, you and I are representatives of the kingdom of God. <laughs> Think about that. Wherever we go, we're representing him as a Christian. Hmm. You know, I can think of a few times that I didn't represent him well. Amen. And so we need to be thinking about that. <clears throat> We're here representatives of the kingdom of God and the wishes of the king. What an honor it is to be a representative, an ambassador for Christ. I mean, who are we? Wow. So every time a soul is saved, the kingdom of God is advanced. The devil loses a convert. Every time a body is healed, the kingdom of God advances. The devil loses. Amen? And goes on and on and on. Every time you do an act of kindness, what would Jesus do? See? You do something kind for someone. It doesn't have to be a big supernatural thing. These small little things behind the scenes, acts of kindness, are important to God. You can do things that I can't do, like bake apple pie. We don't have any in our house right now, just so you know. <laughs> but you get a shut-in. You know, we used to live next to some people that were shut-ins. He was legally blind, and she was on some kind of oxygen stuff. And they had kids. One lived right here in Festus, and they never came out there. So Thanksgiving, Anita would make stuff Christmas if we were here and we'd take it over there to them. And so they, and just a little act of kindness. That's what Jesus would do. Amen? I mean, I couldn't even go in the house. The stench was really bad. They had 21 cats living in that house. And they lived in the living room. They're both gone now, but um, the guy's name was Walter. And he was a Russian. And in those days, that's when I was going to Russia. I went over there four times. When I come back, <laughs> he wanted to know everything that happened in Russia. Well, what's going on over there? So anyway, I used to take him to the Queens um, so he could spend his Social Security check, get some food, and he'd spend half of it on bird feed seed for the birds. He had a good heart. I said, you want me to go in and help you? I said, no, I know where everything, he knew where everything was in that store. Even though he could barely see to put one foot in front of the other. He was legally blind, couldn't drive. 
come back in a half hour, he'd have everything in the cart. He knew just where everything was. Oh, praise the Lord. <clears throat> so every time somebody is set free, delivered, we're defeating the enemy and the wishes of the King of Kings is fulfilled. We've been set apart to continue the works of Jesus and to enforce the kingdom rule until he comes. We just, we just prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? We pray that all the time. The kingdom came with Jesus Christ. And we want to see um, everything that happens there happen here. And to do that, you have to defeat the enemy. He's not going to give an inch. If you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. So you have to defeat him. He don't understand nicey-nicey. You have to be tough with him. He, you have to let him know that you know who you are in Christ Jesus, that you know what you possess, that you have authority over him. And it says that he will flee from you if we submit to the Lord, do things his way. The enemy will flee from you. It means he will run away. You're the one with all the ammunition. But we've, all, we've a lot of Christians have just let him run over the top of them because they haven't used um, all that they possess. Hallelujah. So we've been set apart. Uh, the word is sanctification. And there's a couple parts to that. But here it's just talking about... Um, like setting you apart to be the head of a community function or something, an office. We've been set apart to continue the works of Jesus Christ and to enforce his kingdom rule. If we don't enforce it, who will? Amen? He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Whoa. He's empowered us by His Holy Spirit to be witnesses and to continue the work of Jesus. He's called us more than conquerors. I mean, we're so far ahead of the enemy, and we should be. It's not even a fair fight. He's given, up, given up us giftings to bless one another and to use in our witnessing. I tell you, if you get run across somebody and they don't want to hear about Jesus and they're grabbing their shoulder, you ask them what's wrong with their shoulder, they'll be glad to tell you about their problems. And you pray for them and they're healed. They're going to want to hear about this Jesus. That's a fact. They won't slam the door in your face. We are joint heirs. And all that Jesus possesses and the love of God has been spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Love is our motivation for all these things. It's not to try to look good, to be somebody. I've got this gift, you've got that gift. I did this. <laughs> no. If you don't walk humbly before the Lord, he won't be able to use you. Amen? We have to walk humbly before God. And in closing, how am I doing? Uh, I want to read a scripture in Ephesians 2. We'll close with this one. Uh, well, it's the second closing. There'll be one more. So Ephesians 2, 4 to 10. says this. Paul writes, But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us. There's that love again. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together. Mm. And that's where people stop. And then made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's three togethers right there. 
He made us alive together with Christ because we were dead in our sins. Amen. Amen. Then he resurrected us together with him, symbolized by baptism, spiritually. And then it says, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ooh, doggies. We don't usually go there. Made us sit together. So he's made us alive in Christ. He resurrected us spiritually. And spiritually we are seated together with him in heavenly places. If you can see yourself seated with him in heavenly places, it's going to change the way you pray. Because you'll be praying from a position of authority. Not from behind a bush. Oh God, if you would, please, could you, will you? Help me today. It has to change the way you pray. Uh, he goes on. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, the things we do now will be rewarded then. He wants to bless us in the ages to come. So he's given us all these things so we can continue to do the works that Jesus did. So we have all kinds of reasons to bless us for eternity. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, we're his product. Created in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Why? For good works. You get somebody healed, is that a good work? Is it? Amen. You get somebody saved, is that a good work? Amen. You pray for somebody's finances and the check comes in the mail, is that a good work? Amen. You help Warren move, is that a good work? Yes, it was. Yeah. You bake a pie for a shut-in. That's a good work. Doesn't always have to be something spectacular. But God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So that's why we're here. Let's take our place, this little flock here, together with Christ and in Christ. We already looked at those three togethers been made alive together with him we've been raised together with him and we've been spiritually we've been ascended to his right hand now listen to me just listen for a second from this place of partnership from this place of partnership we are by grace granted to share in the works of his kingdom power From this place of partnership, we are by grace granted to share in the works of his kingdom power. So let's recap. God's love to get a deeper revelation of that. We need to meditate on that. Realize that we possess everything that Jesus possesses in his earthly walk. We possess that as well. We need to use our God-given authority much more than we do to continue the works of Jesus Christ in the earth to enforce the kingdom rule. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, what we have to realize is that God invested his only begotten son and his innocent shed blood in you and I. Isn't that right? He invested it in us. And not only that, he's given us the full counsel of his holy word. You know, Jesus only had the Torah. We have more tools than Jesus did. We have the full counsel of the word of God. And Jesus and the word are one. And then he's empowered us with his Holy Spirit. 
He sent Jesus. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. God emptied heaven for you and I. I mean, He emptied heaven for us. Given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Well, I'm preaching myself happy now. And He gave us authority to use the name of Jesus, to use that power that was given to us by grace. Now, I don't know one investor anywhere Whoever invested money or anything else and didn't plan on it multiplying, didn't plan on it expanding. Amen? That's why you invest. And he's invested all of this in you and I and every other believer around the world. Now, in these last days, God is looking for a return on his investment. He's looking for us to take all these things that he's given us and do the works that Jesus did. You know, run roughshod over the enemy instead of just letting him take over the world. And hope somebody else will do it. These kinds of things. It's time that the church takes its place as ambassadors, as representatives of the kingdom of God preaching the gospel of the kingdom and granting God a return on his priceless investment. Amen? Amen. The worship team can come. Hallelujah. I hope you got something out of this. It was, um, some of it was probably revelation to some of you. And those of you that are older, might be thinking, yeah, that's great for these young people like Stephen or somebody young like that. But I'm uh, 80 years old today, aren't you? You 80 today? Is he? Yeah. That's the same age Moses was when he was started to be used by God. Well, the age is not a factor. And along with some others, I'm very thankful for that. That means I can still be used in some small way by God. So we're going to worship the Lord. We had communion beforehand because God watches over his word to perform it. And so we just want to give him an opportunity to do that. If he doesn't want to do anything, we'll just go home. If he wants to do something, we'll just stay here and let the biscuits burn.